four of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding, in fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he can't fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We it, considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For have we not, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we were burned up. Yeah. You ready? Ready. All right, Paul Alcoholic, thanks everyone for having us here. It's not a regular AA meeting. We just talk about uh, a certain idea about the underlying wrong, if you want to call it, that, that allows and reinforces these conditions that tend to defeat us in our own life. And uh, the manifestations of this aspect called self because there is no self to be seen, really. Uh, that's what we're called as an object, object that can be seen. But there, it's an activity, and that activity allows certain things to manifest through us. And those are resentments, fear, and uh, hurting people in the pursuit of what we want because of the selfishness and the self-centeredness. Uh, again, selfishness, self-centeredness, they carry the word of self in them. So these manifestations we look at in the inventory, you can look at them and call them yours, but in the way we're sharing it is we're hoping that the person may walk in to the inventory thinking they're theirs, but maybe a certain uh, shaft of light will be introduced and maybe they'll become suspicious of what is alcoholism and what is them, yeah? And so maybe they'll recognize this idea of self through inventorying its manifestations in their lives. And to see the real culprit is sort of like a foreign idea that we're being entertained as really. And with that sense of other 
the possibility of being free from it becomes available. And it usually it informed me when it dawned on me that I had been trying to be free as self quite a fur around after I'd been about six years old on. And uh, I had a lot of reasons why they failed all those attempts to get out of self. But really why they failed is a common statement out from our community, which is self can't get out of self. That's basically what was happening. <laughs> it wasn't like Paul failed, but there was a failure of seeing that Paul was self. Yeah, that was a that was going on unbeknownst to me. I could recognize when people describe self. I could recognize when they described its manifestations because I'd lived under it. I could feel into a lot of stuff that was being explained, but I didn't see the act of being identified as self as the root of the problem. I just thought maybe I had a self that was unruly and maybe if it got rehabbed sufficiently, you know, I could, you know, enjoy picnics without flipping out or maybe a, a relationship that lasted longer than three months and stuff like that. You know, these bare hopes or if my kids would have been removed from me, maybe I'd see the kids again. All these very, very small dreams, I, I was allowed to dream in that sort of suffocating closet of addiction. And then I seen so many people uh, coming into recovery and uh, a skylight opening and so much more possibilities and so much more demonstrations of how life could be when they sort of got out of the way was demonstrated thousands of times. I've heard people share, we used to do a thing around here when you came in, would write down how would, what would you like or how would you like it to be after being a year sober. You know, this was like your first month. And you'd write down stuff. And then if you lasted, and then you'd go over that with your sponsor or a friend and you'd see, man, you were playing it really fucking small because life really gave you a whole lot more in that year of sobriety than you would have ever given you for a year of sobriety. I mean, I can't understand why we're not seeing uh, the difference between views. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Something, if allowed in our lives, has a much larger view about life and a much larger and open view about us and what we can entertain and what we can grow into and what we can grow out of than how we feel, you know? We're playing it so small. Like we think, and it's great, you know, getting a parking space in front of a meeting is great. It is in a lot of ways, but seriously, <laughs> you, know, you know, not getting arrested, you know, on Thursday is great. It was great, yes. But you have to see that the... Uh, the floor was so low, the ceiling was pretty damn low. And so the whole program lifts everything up. And uh, the hardest struggle a lot of people have is receiving what life wants to give it, give them. Yeah, They just have such an old idea of themselves that they don't deserve it or whatever, that they say no to these invitations. They say no to these deliveries. Yeah. And... Uh, 
I just feel it as another aspect of bondage of self. Yeah. So this part here in uh, what you read, I like this a lot too. Uh, where is it from? So this idea of selves, the resentments that arise from that point of view, it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual diseases. I don't believe there's any spiritual disease. I think there's mental diseases that become uh, so emphasized that the that the spiritual aspect, which I think is all uh, consuming, the spiritual aspect of our life can seemingly go unnoticed. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a mental disease, and uh, we suffer from a, you know we have been mentally sick really. When the, when the mental malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Yes. And how do we, how do we overcome the mental malady? Not through the mental system. That's one thing for sure. So there must, so where, what other system is there? Physical system? Well, you can do stuff through the physical, but the mental is dominating the physical condition. I mean, people, you know, there's a certain thing called, uh, what is that, bulimia or something, where people, when they look at themselves in a mirror, they think their, their, their biceps are eight inches bigger than they actually are. So they have a whole delusionary perception of what they look like, and so they basically don't want to eat food or something because of, I don't know. So I would think the mental is overriding the physical in that condition. So what overrides the mental? It's the spiritual, really. I hate to use terms, but in a way, that's what we need to in recovery. We need to have certain terms. So for me, the spiritual is just other than mental, let's say. And so uh, the solution derives from the spiritual, but it's applied to the mental. And the mental, what happens? Well, the mental activity may continue but the attention and interest to it will diminish. And then you see the fact is what's really enlivening the mental condition is interest and attention. And why it's habitually going to that is the mental condition is, is presenting a story about us, yeah? Or about a you, and then that you is taken to be me, and then the obsession continues. And then the obsession with self really is used to reinforce the identification as self. So the obsession goes on and on. And a lot of us wonder, why the hell is this happening, especially two in the morning? Well, it has a job. The job is to reinforce the identification. Why? Yeah. So that idea can manifest to us. The mental wants to manifest to us. And the mental is infected with alcoholism, so it doesn't usually manifest empathy, compassion, service. It manifests self-centeredness, vindictiveness, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel it's so important to uh, get the diagnosis correct because if you keep trying to get out of self as self, that's promoting the bondage of self. So, yeah. All right, thanks, Ed.
Yeah, you are welcome. Uh, thanks. Oliver has his hand up. Oliver, what's your question for Paul? Hello, everyone. Hello, Paul. Uh, my question is uh, about resentments and kind of, you know, the genesis of resentments and uh, especially my part in resentments. You mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, you know, to uh, kind of try it to uh, do that fourth column in step four from the perspective of uh, not identifying myself with the manifestations of self, right? Yes. Uh, and no, yeah, not uh, not claiming those resentments as you know my creation, right? And um, I actually I stop? Oliver, let me just jump in, all right, for a second. It's not about you're going to stop claiming. You're going to see you're not that which is claiming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to stop claiming is another reinforcement of the bondage. Yeah, because. Mm -hmm. This is an activity that's more mechanical. It's not volitional. So uh, it's not thank happening you. because someone is choosing to do it. It's happening. It's a mental. It's a mental activity. Yeah. Uh, so there's no one there that's going to stop claiming what you because what happens is you see you're not the one that's claiming. Yeah. That's that's the way it pans out for me. Yeah. Because if you went, if you set out to stop claiming, you're going to fail, which is going to reinforce an opinion that the mental state has about the mental idea called self. <laughs> you're going to fail like you have failed many other ways. Yeah. Because. <laughs> so you just hear the information and then you write down resentment. And then you write down, then you notice that when you write down the resentment, there's a feeling that it's yours, yeah? And then you say, well, maybe I'm not that your, yeah? So let's just look at a resentment without the embroidery, so to speak, and see what happens. See how, and see, just compare a resentment called my and a resentment and see which one has more extension in time, which one has more whack, which one has more influence, and it's always the one with my before it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So they're like, the, they're almost like two different beasts. There's resentment, and then there's my resentment. That's a completely different animal, the my resentment. And I want to see people, if we're living under uh, a perceptual regime that's going to see fucking threats that remind it of past threats. So there's going to be an arising of a resentment. I want to see how are we going to travel lighter through that. You're not going to live resentment free in a way. You're going you're gonna to live free from the one who thought it has the resentments. That's the freedom. The freedom isn't from resentments. It's from self. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it just so happens to be that I, uh, I'm on step four. And uh, so I did it for, I'm on it for like a couple of months, never mind uh, exactly. I actually tried to do it a little bit differently uh, last, last, last week, last, uh, last uh, few days. I 
uh, and it's about my part. You know, yeah. what, 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 what is actually my part? I kind of had a, a changed my approach and uh, seen my part as uh, from the part that actually an event that caused the resentment became a resentment. And why did it happen? Not my part in what could have provoked this event, not my part in what could have provoked uh, the person that I have resentment against to do that to me, but the part after when actually the resentment was created. Now I had a choice to make an unpleasant event uh, a resentment, a basis for resentment, right? And uh, I did it, uh, I might have uh, let go to you know self manifestations and uh, made it uh, therefore uh, the resentment was created but i might have had, had a choice not to do so uh, and uh, i yeah. actually started uh, uh, writing a fourth column uh, uh, and under my part what was my part i wrote i've written the causes and my behaviors that made a specific event or circumstances or relationship a resentment not not my i hadn't written the stuff that were my part in maybe you know how did i provoke this person how did maybe i behaved maybe my attitudes and behaviors were such and then i provoked them and yeah that was my part because that seems a little bit less important than actually my part in creating the actual resentment. And uh, just one example, for instance, uh, a friend of mine uh, says, uh, look over there, a raven, and then he does this to my nose and he does that to, I don't know, he hits me in the nose and then uh, my girlfriend is over there and everyone laughs except me, right? And uh, I'm having a choice here, whether I will make it a resentment which is possible because I might be insecure uh, in my relationship. I might be people pleasing and all of that. And uh, therefore I have a resentment against my friend now, like a rather firm one. It can be a really bad thing. But on the other hand, that might not happen. I might not make a resentment out of that you know, silly event. And one more example of uh, my part is for instance, I have a, a preacher, uh, a pastor in the church that, that I went to as a child and I had to go to church. And my part over there, what did I do in the a, in a, in a creation of event that caused the resentment was none. I was completely passive. I had to sit over there and listen to that guy speaking uh, sometimes really uh, spooky things, right? And uh, later, you know, I, and later had this very dualistic uh, shit in my mind about heaven and hell and so on and so on. So there, there wasn't any my part in a classical sense of that word and uh, the way my first sponsor for instance presented to me. There is no my part over there, but there is my part in creating a resentment years after in my, for instance, conceptualizing and uh, generalizing that uh, part of my growing up to just about any 
inhibition that I had later or any kind of um, unsuccessful social behavior and, and so on and intimate behavior and so on and so on. So yeah, that's my question. What, uh, where do I, you know, get, uh, look at my part exactly? So I think it's about, I think I look, at, I need to look at from the part that I actually make it the, my resentment or let go to the self that makes it a resentment. Yeah, and acclaims it, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah. yeah. Um, Skylar's coming in with a question today. You know, hey, remember Paul. that uh, this power is going to constantly reveal to us more stuff. Yeah, so everything is perfectly right at a moment, but in another moment, it may not, it, there may be an upgrade, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea of creating, I'm not a believer of creating. I think there's a lot of making stuff up, yeah? So what happens is, is something happens and then there's a response or a reaction to that. That reaction, in most cases, comes from self, so to speak. And that's sort of the genesis of the resentment. So if you can see this idea of self as not you, then the resentment may arise, but it won't be christened my resentment, which gives it maybe, uh, instead of one orbit around the planet Paul, you have 800 orbits around the planet Paul. It's a, a completely different event, yeah? So... And what occurs over time in recovery is the underlying causes and conditions change sufficiently that you, that that habitual arising of that self-centered view doesn't play in the event or after the event. Do you know what I mean? So its opinion that would come after the event, would, which would become the new event, just isn't really taken to heart much anymore. It's because the underlying conditions have been, you've outgrown certain conditions and you've grown into other conditions that are re aren't really hospitable for resentment, yes? Like almost like a Petri dish. So one time we start off and we're very acidic, so a lot of shit that likes acid grows a lot in us, yeah? And then we meet situations in life and what's growing on us reacts and has a big say in the event because that's what's thriving in our Petri dish. So we come into the program, we admit our powerlessness. So the Petri dish that's acidic isn't going to change itself into alkaline. Yeah. It has the potential to change into alkaline, but the acidicness isn't going to direct that change. Yes. You see that? So self doesn't get out of self. There's a recognition of some things. This is why I react this way. I don't react this way to the situation. I react from causes and conditions underneath, yeah? Yep. Yeah, so that's what changes over time. So now you have another Petri dish that's alkaline, that resentment 
may arise, but it can't get much oxygen from that atmosphere. So it dies on the vine, so to speak. Yeah. And then other aspects become more established and extend more in time. Like, hey, that ain't worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going to give this guy a finger because I remember the last time I got pulled over by the cops and I had to go to court and, you know, wow, I was right. <laughs> so I think I'll bypass that. And now you have the weight to do that, yeah? Because the underlying conditions are leaning that way, yeah? So you start learning from your own behavior and from other behavior and basically you travel later. So... Uh, I just like to see, I don't care about resentment or fear as much. I want to see who's, who's having the resentment and fear. Because that's the, 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 the meaning the resentment has doesn't come from the resentment. It comes from the owner of the resentment. <laughs> so that's why I want to see that. I want to see the distribution line before the, you know, the, the tow truck or the dump truck comes and dumps a lot of shit in my life. I like to see how that distribution arrives <laughs> in that event, yeah? So maybe you can cut off the distribution line and the dump truck goes to the address down the road. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I like just doing the inventory. When it says, where was I? I always add, am I? So where was I and am I resentful? Because the resentment of 20 years ago is being used now, yeah. The mental state is using the resentment of 20 years ago now. It, this is what it does. So, uh, so I always say, hey, where was I and am I selfish, self-seeking, frightened, inconsiderate, and dishonest? I don't keep it where was I. I keep it where, past and present tense in the end of inventory. Yeah, because I'm not recognizing self in the past to know that I was fucked. I'm recognizing self now so I'm not fucked. Yeah, that's the important point to me. <laughs> that's the essence of traveling later. <laughs> You know, there's a huge difference uh, in, 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 in seeing the blueprints of a house or having to pay a mortgage on a house, yeah? You, you're going to get out of the house a lot easier at the blueprint level than when it's built and you own it and shit like that, yeah? So to me, you can see the selfing and you can see its tendency to lead you to fuck it, yeah? And now, instead of having all the conditions for that to really flourish, the base condition you're in now, by, by being in the habit of being sober, doesn't, doesn't give it that much oxygen, you know? You know what I mean? It can't bring you to a fuck it. It's awesome, yeah? <laughs> it's... Uh, and it has nothing to do with choice or shit. It has to do with the system has changed sufficiently that where it had no defense, it has a defense now of a spiritual nature, in it, if you want to call it that. Yeah? Yeah. So whatever works is fine because 
You know, you can do an inventory when you come in and you can see them as your resentments and they'll help you. You can do another inventory down the road and you'll see them as just resentments and that'll help you. There's grace in both activities because there's willingness, yeah? And then more gets revealed, that's all. I'm really into the... Uh, the relief that comes after the initial relief, where you recognize the, the police and the thief role of self, yeah? When you see that which is pontificating about self may be selfing at the moment, yeah? There's a real uh, freedom there. Yeah, all right, thank you. Hi, Paul. Skyla. Hello. My question is, um, when we're praying, per se, for family's health and their health is not in shape at the moment, and is that like trying to like change God's will or like if they're sick, is that just what's supposed to be happening? Like, why am I praying if it's happening? Like, do we have the ability to like change some course of event that's already happening through well, prayer? Well, let me jump in there, honey, because, yeah. all right, so sick is happening and prayer is also happening. Yeah. Yeah? So yeah. if you move to pray, pray. If you're not moved to pray, don't pray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just a little bit like there there seems to be like a different answer from AA about that than like something that you would say. And like I just wish there was just one answer. Like I think there is one answer for me and like but I go into AA and then my answer changes based on like dogma and like um out being outnumbered. And like it, I, <laughs> 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 um, um, Queen Skyla, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, a lot of the things that we have, we have questions around. They'll get answered before the question or not after the question. Yeah. Yeah. They will. Just watch what happens. This is part of trusting the process. Yeah. yeah. I, and then you yeah. feel you have a feeling like I didn't make a decision or something to stop praying. There was just stop praying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did a, when I came into recovery. You know, when people shared about this self-centeredness, I recognized, Jesus Christ, yes, I have a huge sense of entitlement going on. And nothing really <laughs> satisfies me. I always want more. So then my head came up with a nice little trick that when anything happened and it was pretty cool, I would go, thank you, God, that's more than enough. Yeah. And I used that for years. Yeah. Until I didn't use it ever again. Yeah. Because something was sort of not developed, and then it became developed. 
So that yeah. was necessary when it wasn't developed. And then when it became developed, that prayer wasn't necessary. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, but. The, like, prayer, the prayer doesn't have to be like when, when someone's sick, I'm not necessarily praying for them to get better. I'm just mm -hmm. praying for them. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Maybe that they will travel lighter through the sickness because that may be their seat assignment. Who knows? I'm okay. not trying yeah. to change okay. outcomes, but I'm just allow. Uh, I'm entertaining the possibility there could be a lighter way to travel through them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then. It's all good. I'll let someone else go. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> That's great. Good to see you, honey. You too. Hi, Paul. Who's this? Uh, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hey, I'm okay. <laughs> So I was listening to the the one guy that was talking about resentment. So I'm like, um, just got married. And so a two year relationship has gone to the, to there. And it's, um, so when I was listening to him talk and then listen to you talk, uh, the resentment is what the mind captures and then creates this scenario. And there I go. Um, so I try to like practice what, <laughs> you know, what spiritual practice will help resolve this and then what human, uh, behavior will resolve it. And I'm kind of somewhat at a loss, but we end up talking about stuff and we have from the get go. And that's kind of why I've stayed in a relationship with this woman. Um, and maybe the solution is to reach out to my sponsor and and share the resentment along those lines. Um, I just feel a, a lack of appreciation and, and that's probably <laughs> like not something that I can really get on a regular basis from humans. So that's kind of my question or comment. I think you answered it. Yeah. Yeah. I reach out to my sponsor. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, a resentment sort of comes up in the in this the space of a relationship. Yeah, the relationship is uh, has aspects that it's nice to talk to other people about. Yeah. 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 Because uh, yeah. Again, what you know, a lot of times we look upon people. Uh, to provide more than they can provide. Yeah. It's that certain, uh, like it happens a lot in recovery where people come in and uh, they make their boyfriend or a girlfriend the higher power. Yeah. So the girlfriend is going to make everything all right. And then they start, that starts failing and they start feeling resentful. So, because maybe, yes, there's a need to get appreciated but maybe it's not going to be all, she's not going to carry all that weight. You may have to find another, other ways or avenues and maybe appreciating someone else may lead to it more. Yeah. So there's always, uh, 
sometimes we put burdens on people, maybe purposely for them to fail so we can be right. I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> there tends to be that happens. And we will do, we will do to others in relationship that we wouldn't do to a stranger. You know, there, there's uh, the mental state sometimes thinks it's uh, a free zone to really, you know, dump on others. <laughs> so I really like the idea of us when it comes to a relationship because it, a relationship isn't going to work if, it, if it's still seen as me and her. It just doesn't work that way. But if I see me and her as us, I'll do for us a lot more than I would do for me or her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it, it becomes a living thing of itself. It's not just the sum of the parts. It's more than the sum of the parts. And that's, uh, that's worked really well in my relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how the the me like what you're. I think what you're saying. I can see how the me's grasping onto it and like not yeah, us yeah. so it's much. Always, it's it's a lot of times where where we have a belief that everyone's going to fail us, so we see everyone failing us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know. But I don't want either, <laughs> in a way. So yeah. I've had yeah. it in me. I've had it in me. You know, I've I've seen relationships where I was I was testing how much people loved me, and the test was already rigged for them to fail. <laughs> so this is all like the catacombs of selfing. They're all they're all empty, but you can get lost in there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I was, uh, my sponsor told me like six months ago, either Alan on or Coda. So I've been doing Coda. And, yeah. But that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm, I'm grateful. And, and I am so grateful that you do this, that, that there's something beyond, I, I love AA and I loved it from the get go. And, and I knew that, you know, there's other spiritual this and that, that, have helped me so i just want to tell you i appreciate you doing this format and thanks for your comments oh great thank you dennis for your participation yes we're all one big happy and unhappy tribe <laughs> we would love to have the motto traveling lighter <laughs> hopefully yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right next i haven't i don't hear anyone's question i mean it just appears someone's asking a question so yeah that's well. all right we're gonna move on but first i gotta thank rick for pointing out that i was muted when i introduced dennis so oh, that, that yeah that all I worked was hearing you exactly i would just suddenly skylo is there which is nice <laughs> I like to be warned. I like to be warned of questioners' approach. Yes. Incoming, <laughs> incoming question. For yeah, you. There you go. All I right. Got, We've yeah. got Eric coming in. Eric, what is your 12 step question for Paul? Coming in low. All right. Let's go. Hey, Paul. Um, hey. I love that. I love that last share. I really, I, I never looked at it that way, you know, like there's me 
and there's her, and then there's us, and it's just, it, it works a lot better when there's both of us that are in it together, you know, for the right reasons. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, I find that I struggle the most with, obviously, people that are the closest to me, whether it's my girl or my mom or my dad, um, you know, holding on to things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I love your analogy, too, of, of the, the thief and the policeman. You know, I was, and I just, I heard that earlier on today and you just shared on it again. And it's just, you know, it's, it's the thief is the, that selfing, but you, you know, you want to catch the, the policeman who's going to be aware of, of the selfing, you know, so you, you see it from a different kind of perspective, I guess. Right. And, and you catch it. Yes. Um, and, because and it's the identification it. as, you see. There's no one thing the identification as. It's, it's because of duality, it's a dual aspect of self. There's the observed and the observing, both aspects yeah. of selfing. Yeah, uh -huh. so if you only see one, then you get caught in that net of self can't get out of self because you can't understand it because one of the self is called Paul and Paul his whole life depends on the possibility it can get out of Paul in some ways, yes? So Paul wants to get out of self. It doesn't realize why it can't is that it isn't Paul. It's not, that's not what we are. It's a mental idea, trying to escape from a mental idea. Yeah. It's of two, yeah. I love, I love also the fact that I could be aware now of things just happening as opposed to things happening to me. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of, lots of shit that's coming, right, before it was coming at me. And now yeah. I can kind of just be aware that it's just coming. And it doesn't not necessarily come in at me because, I mean, everyone has their own agenda and their own stuff that's going on in their own head, right? Yes. Yeah, so, it's a pretty self-centered view. To see everything that's happening is happening to you. Yes. <laughs> that would sort of qualify as an obsession with self. Yes. <laughs> Just the, but that, that, that allows me to travel, travel lighter too, right? I can travel lighter too when I look at it like that, right? Because yes. I hold on to it. For sure. That's the whole point. Yeah. If, if there was, if the whole point of AA was, it was a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. As it says in the in the prologue, yeah. in seemingly one definition, it appears to be true or false to us. There wouldn't have been an AA if it was a hopeless state of mind and body. But it's a seemingly hopeless. So there's a possibility that hasn't been noticed as possible. So AA broke through and brought that possibility to us, which is... This hopeless state of mind and body isn't. It's seemingly hopeless. There is a solution. Yeah? Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there wasn't one before AA broke in. In, the th in, in that, that time frame, that period, grace inserted itself into this place. Because before, I swear, I, did, I do talks at this church usually, when before the, the situation. And they'd have a big Bible on this pulpit 
And sometimes I walked in and they had it turned to a psalm. And in that psalm, whoever wrote the psalm was bitching about winos. Even back then in the Old Testament, they didn't know what to do with winos. Yeah, they didn't. It was a hopeless condition, seemingly. But now there's a solution. This is what we're offering. There's possibilities in the possibility of recovery. There's more possibilities in there. Yeah? Just open up, maybe. Yeah? Maybe, maybe uh, bypass contempt prior to investigation. Open up. Maybe there is a, there's a, a diagnosis of the problem that will illuminate the solution for us. Hallelujah. Yeah? That's this whole, these talks are based on that premise that there is a solution. And there is, you can, you can diagnose the activity of what we call the problem. And that activity in and of itself lends itself to be seen as unreal. That's the beauty of it. When you don't see it, you're taking yourself to be it. When you see it, you might not take yourself to be it. That's the beauty. That's the whole point of showing up every freaking Tuesday and Thursday. It's just to provide a space for that possibility to get some freaking oxygen. Because, you know, the head wants is myopic. It tends towards myopic. It just like, oh, I got the solution. That's that. Yes, there's no... Uh, it will, it will contract around a solution. It will contract around a problem. Yeah? It will suffocate. The, see, a solution sometimes lends itself to opening up to more possibilities. Yeah? You don't want a su suffocated solution. Yeah. yeah? And that's what happens. When the solution is claimed by us, then it turns dogmatic. Then it turns into fundamentalism. Then it turns into a religion. We've seen it. We've seen when answers have shown up and then we get a hold of them. We turn them into something else. Yeah? Then it's, there is a solution, but it's an exclusive club and you're not a member. There is a solution, but yeah, da, da, no. To me, this is a free-range alcoholic type solution. It lends itself to free free from the bondage of self. <laughs> I'm saying there can, be a, there can be an idea that I'm free from the bondage of self that's reinforcing a self, yeah? So now there's a self that thinks it's free from the bondage of self, and usually it demonstrates a lot of righteousness around that. It, it creates an us and them around that because it's not clear. There's self thinking it's free from the bondage of self. You know the tree by its fruits, man. Uh, I truly believe it's attraction, not promotion. I, I like when I hear people and they're fucking alive and they're they're aware of being aware. They're just awake to being awake. Yeah? That's attractive with me. Yeah. 
I like uh, in the acceptance, it, it says when you focus on the solution, the solution gets bigger. You know, when you focus on the good, the, get, the good gets bigger, right? For better. sure. Of sure. We play a huge role in this whole event. Yeah. So I'll, the surrender of, see, first of all, what we take ourselves to be is not capable of using the resources that we are. It doesn't. It taps into such a small vein of what we are. Yeah. Living large doesn't mean you go to two continents in one day. Living large is walking around your backyard. Living large is, is a certain uh, attitude and outlook. It doesn't have to have conceptualize external circumstances to uh, support it, yeah? It's always available at all times, right, where we are, yeah? Do you think there's a calculator to, to, to tabulate all the times you've enjoyed peace of mind? It goes unnoticed in a fucking book, yeah? In a journal. This is the living of life, yeah? You don't have to own or possess a moment of enjoying peace of mind. It's better taken without possession, yeah? And forgotten, because that peace is never forgotten, yeah? It's like a guy I once met. He said, listen, Paul, uh, do you have a home, yeah? And I go, yeah, I have a place to live. And he says, all right, when you go to work every day, do you have to keep saying, I have a home, I have a home, I have a home? No, you have a home. Yeah? Yeah. So here you go. You're of spirit. Yeah? You don't have to keep saying you're of spirit all day. You're of spirit. Yeah? Now, when you're completely obsessed with mental and physical, you may need to do it for a while. But in fact, you are of spirit. <laughs> it, can, it only needs to be proclaimed so much until it becomes a fact. Yeah. Now you don't you never say it again. You not walk up. I am spirit because you are spirit. Yeah. You're living it. What we're doing now is going to lead to another condition that may not need to have us do what we did now. Yeah? This is the traveling lighter. If you find that which needs to be, to be maintained for your daily reprieve is and, and is of the nature you are, then being it would be the greatest form of maintenance, wouldn't it? Being a spiritual condition would be the greatest form of maintaining a spiritual condition because the spirit would be busily being maintaining itself. You would have very little to fucking do with it. Yeah? You'd get, you'd reap the rewards, but you, you wouldn't be toiling and efforting to be, to be spiritual because you are of spirit. Yeah? So there's one view that works. I've got to 
get a lot of spiritual practices because my spiritual condition seems to be hanging by a thread. And that's your real mistaken perception. So then we do a lot of shit to convince something that, hey, wait a minute, maybe what I'm trying to become, I already am, all right? Then suddenly all those efforts to become it stop and now you are more of it, yeah? The efforts had value to a certain point. They did their job, yeah? That, that thin thread has now be seen as a huge rope, yeah? <laughs> Swing on it. <laughs> it can hold your weight, yeah? Rely on it. It's not going to let us down. <laughs> that thin thread of spirituality is fucking thick and solid. Always available at all times, right where we are. <sighs> yeah, all right. I'm so stoked up, man, from just, no. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I know what it's like to be bound, and I know what it's like to be free. Yeah. And the bound may seem very difficult, but the freedom isn't. It's not demanding huge sacrifice, yeah? You're not going to go on the seven challenges of Hercules, yeah? All you do is recognize the oldest idea is the idea that you have a lot of old ideas, yeah? <laughs> and then, then the higher power won't be of your own understanding. It will be of its understanding, and the higher power is going to reveal to you, you're not going to tell it what it's saying. You will hear what it's saying. Yeah. All on the, the stabilized stage of a sober life. Yeah. We're in the habit of being sober. That allows a lot of new production and a lot of, a lot of new possibilities. Yeah. It, uh, you cannot believe what a sober life allows. Yeah. Didn't it, didn't it feel like when you stopped cocaine, everyone stopped cocaine? Suddenly there was no cocaine in the world. This is like the self-centeredness we're saddled with, yeah? Jesus Christ, it's so insane. It's all about us, 24 fucking seven. Yeah. You're not going to get out of it as it. You're not. It can wear robes just as it can wear a leather motorcycle jacket. Yeah. It can speak in monotone or it can be fucking using fucking shit all day. It doesn't, it, it, it's like a chameleon. It'll, whatever parameters is set, it will live in that and then you wrote it completely. 
yeah, and turn it into that acidic Petri dish so it can thrive. It doesn't see you as anything other than a habitat, really. <laughs> and it likes it acidic. It likes resentments. It likes drama. It likes the boredom that looks exciting. It likes to be right, yeah? And it wants to make others wrong. It wants to be seen as the innocent one, so it has to make a lot of others per per perpetrators. It's an insane, myopic, fucking very small-minded view called self-centeredness, yeah? All right, any more questions? No, we've got a, we've got a few, Paul. Um, do you want to take a quick break before we continue? No, no. All right. Um, Ruby had her hand up, so come on in, Ruby. If you can put your hand up so Paul can see your face. I know, Ruby, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I um, Just a, a quick, uh, more or less of a check-in. Yep. I was a little Irish Catholic girl from Oakland, California, uh, and uh, quite, um, I don't know, wilder than shit. I just uh, wouldn't behave. And I went to Catholic school, and uh, in the beginning, I really liked it because I liked the concept of the Christ. And I really liked his mom and the saints. And, and I liked these folks. And in my little heart, they were folks. They weren't, it wasn't some kind of a mystical realm. They were just like, I liked that. And uh, as you progress on, you get older, you see that the principles are there, but the humans themselves, I mean, we're just out to lunch. It was just a clusterfuck. There's no other way to say it. And then I really got interested in um, the snake in the Garden of Eden. And I'd want to talk about that. And but nobody wanted to talk about it. And I thought it was fascinating that there was a talking snake in the Garden of Eden. And he got in Eve's ear and then she like passed it on. And so then I come in here and I'm starting to see a lot of things were already in progress, even though I had to go through the rest of this shit that's making complete sense now. And I don't even know if I'm making my any sense now, but it's such a relief to me to be able to let some of these things out publicly and not, um, and not sound foolish. So I just really want to thank you because I was so, I wanted to know about the fucking snake. Yeah. And that to me is the parasite that you speak of. And then the other thing was, is that when I got into the other fellowship, I thought, well, whatever this thing is, that's living beside me here. It's like a pimp, you know, it's, it's a smooth talking. And you just have the words for everything. And I can't thank you enough for that. They're, the ease and comfort that, that you bring all of us is absolutely phenomenal. And I've, I'm as stoked today as the, when I first came into the program, it blew my mind that I would hear, hear it spoken, you know, stuff that would, had been rattling around in my brain for so long. So, um, yeah, 
That's all. Thank you, honey. Great. Nice to see you, Ruby. Yeah. We got a strong, a strong one in Wichita, Kansas. That's good. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, Stefan's got a question for you today, Paul. Stefan, yes. On mute. Uh, uh, Stefan, uh, it just got answered. <laughs> oh, great. It just got answered again. Faster than the <laughs> United States Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> it just got. <laughs> oh my gosh! How beautiful! Thank you. <laughs> ah, a happy customer. Thank you. Nice. All right. Well, that was quick. Um, we've got Charlotte with a question. Charlotte. Charlotte, go ahead and unmute. Hi, guys. From London, UK, it's my first time. Um, it's funny you're speaking about resentment because uh, I was in a bit of a dilemma last week. I was walking to the shop to go get some bread and this guy, that's hence the black guy, came up to me and attacked me for my handbag. Took my handbag and the bastard even took the bread. I thought, you cheeky. Anyway, so I came back home and I was thinking like, how dare he? And then I just kind of thought to myself, you know, if I was to think about everyone who's pissed me off or hurt me in my life. Really, I'd just be hurting myself, you know? So already it's kind of like I forgive the guy. Really, I feel, I pray for the guy. And um, yeah, it's just funny you're speaking about resentment um, because it's easy, we could all get caught up in that. But um, yeah, I just want to say thank you. And um, yeah, it's very important because I, I feel if you if you resent everyone, really, you're just kind of, you're just eating yourself up, really. So yeah. it's, um, it's nice to, um, forgiveness is very important. And realizing that it wasn't a personal attack on me. I could have been any girl walking down the street. But um, yeah, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. And yeah, it's really important to acknowledge resentment and, um, you know, how important it is for us to not get kind of like caught up with it because... Yes. Shit happens to people every day. And I could sit here and go, oh my God, I can't believe she done this or he done that. Or how did this happen? You took my bread. I don't even care about the handbag. I needed a sandwich. But yeah, it's just kind of like, I just kind of thought, yeah, basically that's it. I'm, I'm babbling on, but I just wanted to say thank you. And it's given me something to think about and re-go over my step four. And um, thank you so much. I appreciate your, your shares. Um, it's my first time in a live meeting, but I've been following you on YouTube for a while. And mm. you know, I like your concept. You're very straight to the point. And yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. You know, one of the statements they say around here is like, uh, resentment is like taking poison to hurt someone else. Yeah. It's something that we can't really entertain with our acidic Petri dish. <laughs> it will multiply in there, bubble over and shit. <laughs> so you can hear, let's say you're in a certain condition and you hear that, you know, uh, 
resentments aren't good for me, but the self-centered condition is thriving, so it overrides that understanding. Yeah, so it doesn't, but when she shared it, she had some weight there. But, you know, sometimes you'll hear it shared, but there isn't any weight there. There's not a weight of a solution there, yeah, where you can actually see, yeah, you know, it wasn't personal. You know what I mean? Do you feel it? Is there's a difference? So sometimes when we come in with that acidic condition, all we see is sourness. Yeah, we can't get the understanding just gets uh, crumpled up, so to speak. Yeah. But over time, these statements have some weight. You can actually see the, the lack of value in resenting. You'll see it. And you'll and there will be a response to that, and you will and then the habit of falling into that point of view will change. Yeah, this is growth, and this is what happens. AA is about change, but it's directed change, which is called growth. Yeah, there's going to be change, but it's going to be directed. And you're going to grow, let's say, towards the light, if you want to call it, or trusting the infinite. Yes, there is a movement. And to me, recovery progresses just like they say the disease progresses. Recovery also progresses. Yeah. So we're being moved. And every time we share from a certain point, that point isn't going to be the way it's going to be. It's going to move. Yeah. Yes. So whatever was demanded of you at that point may not be demanded of you down the road. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have a house, you got rugs, you need a vacuum. You move to a house that has hardwood floors. You don't need a vacuum. Are they both houses? Yes. Did you live in them? Yes. One had a certain condition that demanded or needed vacuums. The other doesn't have that condition. Yeah? So either you're, you like vacuums or they're unnecessary now. Yeah? You can put them in storage. You may move again, but for right now, you don't need a vacuum because you don't have any rugs. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> this is the point. Do I have to respond to every situation with a tool? No, I don't. Some situations don't demand a tool. I don't have to figure it out. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I don't see it as I'm using this moment to get to a bigger, better moment. I'm just seeing what's on offer now. Yes, these things change. And we're going to change under the influence of this higher power through this program. And usually, like they said in the beginning, remember, they said most people don't even know they're changing. It's other people see the change in them. Yeah, because we're out to lunch. We're so up the ass of self, we only think there's one condition, an ass condition. Yeah. We're pulled out of that. There's going to be lots of th conditions. Yeah. And a lot of shit's going to grow. Yeah. Can you imagine 
listening to someone share eight hours or four hours of stuff when you, you were at a bar and they weren't buying you drinks and you didn't think they had cocaine, you wouldn't fucking listen for five minutes. Yeah. Because you're always out there looking for fucking something. Now you're just looking. Yeah. It's beautiful. You're available because you're a present. And if you're available and present, you're of service. That's not a manufactured condition. It's a condition some of us are in right now. Yeah. The mental state doesn't have the flexibility to respond to what's happening. It reacts to what's happening from the past. Yes? Something happens now and it reminds it of something happened in the past. It reacts to this moment from the past. That's its programming. Yes? It can be missing the beat of the moment so far off that if you actually would stop and listen to the narrative that it's overlaying on the music of the moment, you would what the fuck? It's completely out of out of beat. It doesn't make any sense. It's not you're not even responding to what's happening. You're just doing the same dance steps, yeah? This is what occurs. You're in 20 relationships, they all seem to go the same way and you're the only <laughs> constant in them all. You didn't meet the same type of girl 20 times. You were the same type of guy in those 20 times. Yeah? It's just like, it's a fundamental condition, like a spiritual awakeness. The, the condition is you're awake to being awake. Yeah. And your responses are based on that, not on the fucking past. What is, what do you, do you think a spiritual awakening is just an upgrade in a mental condition? No, it isn't. You're going to have a new freedom and a new happiness. It's not, it, it's not getting a, a new product from the same old product line. It's completely a new condition, a new attitude and a new outlook, a new freedom and a new happiness because you're in a new condition. Yeah? What happens when you're in a new condition? You're alert, aren't you? I don't know what's going on. So you're open to find out, I hope. Yeah? That alertness is the living of life. You're awake. Yeah? I don't like a lot of some of the stuff awakeness brings. Yeah? You're not that that has that opinion. Yeah? To, to believe that you have a controlled and managed life, you lose a lot of the living of it, don't you? You strangle it into a, a, a knowing thing, but it's not alive any fucking more. Is it worth that?
All right, well. All right, Kurt's gonna come in and then that'll be the last question or share of the day. Hey, everybody. Kurt, alcoholic. Uh, I wanted to give kudos to Oliver and uh, what you were saying. I had an experience writing inventory of my dad and uh, it was the, the, the resentment was he wouldn't come see me in prison. And I wrote out everything in the book and I still couldn't get unhooked from that. And what happened was it was really interesting. All of a sudden, I asked a question or a question was opposed to me. What was I up to? And all of a sudden I realized that I didn't give a shit whether my dad came to see me in prison. What I wanted was somebody to bring me money for my commissary. I wanted somebody to be a messenger boy for who was gonna visit me. I wanted somebody to tell me what the world was doing on the outside. And when I, when I saw that, what I realized was I had never seen my dad as my dad. I'd always seen him as a cardboard cutout in my little self-centered world. And I used to see that as I saw it that way. But now, you know, after listening to you for quite some time, I see it as that was the selfing that was giving that view. And it, it completely changed the relationship. The resentment dropped right away. And it was kind of what Oliver was saying. It wasn't so much what, you know, I, I wrote, okay, I robbed the store. I mean, I got in prison. I, I wrote all that, but it wasn't that. It was, it was kind of what Oliver said. It was like, it wasn't so much what happened to me. It was what I was doing with what happened to me. And then that changed with you because it wasn't what I was doing. It was what selfing was doing. Yeah. So, uh, and it changed the relationship with my dad. And uh, that was 30 years ago. And, you know, I mean, yeah, just amazing. So thank you, Paul. I just, well, it changed you. And then yeah, it changed me. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. thanks. That's a great. Yeah. That's Thanks. the whole point. Yes. <laughs> the whole that's, point. That's the whole point. Is, you know, responsibility leads to recognizing what's accountable for a lot of what you are responsible for. And it isn't you. Yeah. Because if it is you, there's a whole lot of yous. There's a whole, there's only one you with a lot of different names. Because it's basically, it's a description of a run-of-the-mill alcoholic, an addict, yeah? So, and the conditions underlying that identification, addict and alcoholic, yeah? It's obvious, uh, it's more of that than it is of us, yeah? Really, that we were, we were used for transportation, and uh, even with all the reckonings we've gone through, it still is disguised out in the open. You know, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah, so, all right, thanks. That's a nice note to yeah. end. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, yeah, thanks, everyone. That's good. I'm not going to say Mina or Tina for Nina. <laughs> there you go. And Ruby, uh, Kurt, we got the iPhone, but I know her, 
she's a, a lady I've seen in the void. Yes. And I'll call you in a little while as I recover from this little session. <laughs> Ruby, always a pleasure now. Kerry, as always. We got Chris B down there. Interesting little panoramic shot there. Looks like a skyscraper of kitchen cabinets. Wow. wow. We got Izzy. Always a pleasure to see you, Izzy. Yes, yes. Well, Oliver, thanks a lot for your participation. Just let's stay sober a day at a time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got oh, Rhonda W. We got Eamon. Always a pleasure. Joseph. Carl, nice to see everyone. A number of over someone. I don't know who that is. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. We've got Jacob, one of my main men from Seattle. Nice to see you, Jacob. Skyla, Helen. Helen is, uh, yes. She, uh, she's the honorary tear shedder for uh, Northern England. It's very nice. You cry for many, honey. You cry for many. Mm -hmm. That's a great service, really. Seriously. We got Michael S. from Madeira. We got Sally from Austin. Nice to see you. Stefan from, he's from On Having Never Left. Rob Farr, one of my characters. Kurt, awesome. Connor M., nice Thanks, to see you guys. Uh, we've got Mr. Mike Z. We got Mickey, the matriarch of Madeira. We got Paul, another UK character. We got Roman, a friend of from uh, Roman, Roman and the Radiator. That's, I'm going to do a short story on that. We got Natalie. Always a pleasure, honey. Thank you for that. I only got one bar of the chocolate. The dog ate the other, but. I'm sure it was really good. That we have Dennis, we got Walter. Walter, thank you for that thing about Nizagadara Maharaj. Appreciate it. Yeah. Jacob, when I was over there, I met uh, there was a guy named Murti that took me around. He took me to Nizagadara's family's house and shit. We went in there and uh, sat in a room where he did all his talks. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Quite amazing, huh? Yeah, yeah, nice. Murti, very nice dude. I wonder where he is now. He was very cool. All right, thanks, everybody. I'll, uh, I'll see you. We'll be here Saturday and then Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. And we got some upcoming events through other venues in April. Uh... I just signed up for another one. I have no idea what they're about, but we'll be doing a talk and uh, we'll find out. All right. Pleasure to see everybody. So if you're interested in knowing what's happening, they'll be posted on zenbitchslap.com. Yeah. Thanks. Thank see you guys. You I'll call you in a little while, Anne.